Hey folks, welcome to episode 147 of the FLW Podcast in Benton, Kentucky. I'm Jody White. I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful Kyle Wood from Hopkins, Minnesota. We are back, and it's semi-normal. Kyle, how's it, it going? It is semi-normal. It's good, man. It's good. How are you doing? I'm uh, I'm just swell. We've had some really lovely weather these last few days. The time change I'm really pleased about now. Did not like it during the tournament but I'm all about it right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, now uh, you can probably fish after work. Yep. I uh, I have been doing that. Um, although only once so far. Ah. Um, but uh, I guess other than that, it's been kind of nice because I don't have a whole lot going on at the moment. You know, it's I don't have a tournament to go to. We've got tournaments coming up uh, and all that jazz, but right now it's been a little bit of a pause. Um. We've, uh, I guess, as far as what we're doing this this episode, we've got Bradley Dorch uh, lined up for an interview, uh, our Harris Chain winner, and then we uh, we'll talk fishing. We'll talk about Harris. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about Cumberland. There's a lot of folks that have been down there uh, for pre-practice and whatnot, so we've got a little bit mm-hmm. of info from that. I got to actually go drive around on it some. Um, we've got uh, some college stuff at Hartwell to talk about we've got a whole pile of BFL events to go over and we'll probably talk about something else too right oh I'm sure we can find something all right well in that case here is uh Bradley Dorch and uh we'll be back in a minute all right and now we're joined by Bradley Dorch winner of the FLW tour stop number three at the Harris chain uh Bradley I'm sorry we couldn't do this last week, but uh, I guess, first of all, congratulations on the win. That's awesome. Thank you, Jody, man. I appreciate it. It's been a it's been, it's been a crazy week or crazy couple weeks. I don't even remember how long it's been. It's been over a week, so it's been good. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's not – you're off to – before we talk about Harris, we might as well just talk about sort of the start, uh, the start you're off to. I mean, you're, I think, second in the Rookie of the Year race right now. You're in the top 30 in points. I mean, you're having a great start to your FLW Tour career. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I started the year, you know, that was the – I just wanted to uh, try to make sure I, I didn't have any crazy tournaments, any any really bad tournaments. I mean, I know you're going to have a few that's not great. So, um, considering uh, a 15th at Gunnersville and to win at uh, Harris Chain, it's uh, I'm, I'm looking pretty good to make the cut. Yeah, there are some guys who, you know, if they make a cut or t- a cut or two a year, that's kind of a successful season for some guys. And you've already made two cuts, and you're three tournaments into it. Uh, you've made, you know, you've made a you've made a check in two out of three events. You're you're not doing too bad, that's for sure. Did you kind of did you expect this much success when you sort of moved over to the tour? Because last year. You had a really good season in the Coast FLW series, but you know, looking looking back, there's not a tremendous amount of history that I can see, at least on the FLW side, that I would would suggest that oh, he's going to make an instant impact. If that makes sense. No, I mean, I told my wife at the beginning of the season that you know my goal was to focus on the really the first three tournaments, and um, if I could cash a check the first two out of three, 
then, you know, financially it would kind of give me a, a little breathing room to focus on uh, Cumberland coming up and Beaver, which I'm not familiar with either one of them. Um, and, and I've had experience at Gunnersville before and some coast events, and I've fished some BFLs actually at the Harris Chain. So I felt comfortable with those two. I was a little uh, little scared of Travis, and, and it showed. I think I ended up 80, 84th or 86th there. So, I mean, I, I, I honestly, I know it says I'm a rookie, but I expect to cash a check uh, most of the time. That's a pretty good expectation to have, and you definitely sort of proven it out so far. I think I'll probably like. I think we'll probably circle back around to a little bit more about Bradley Dorch and how you've got here. But as far as uh, as far as Harris, how much? I know you you fished a couple BFLs down there, but before we got to that tournament, um, how much experience did you have on that uh, that system? Because there, most of the guys fishing that tournament didn't have a whole lot of experience down there. No, and um, I had fished the lake, honestly, probably uh, five to six times. I mean, I've sat down and thought, and thought about it, and, you know, I had uh, fished a couple as a co-angler going out of Venetian Gardens, and then I'd fished uh, a couple other tournaments, actually, as a boater going out of Hickory, and, you know, looking back, that's what I said I felt. I felt most comfortable actually going to Griffin, and that's that's actually where I spent the least amount of time in practice was Griffin because I felt, hey, look, if we get to the end of practice and you're you're stinking it up, which I was, I said, you know, we can always go to Griffin. And Griffin sets up the way I like to fish, so you know, especially down in Florida, being shallow, scattered grass all over the place, you can throw a trap, throw a worm, so it's you know, and I had five or six times I had been there and, and fished tournaments. But other than that, I mean, I wasn't too familiar with a lot of the other lakes. All right. I like it. So did you end up spending most of your time in Harris and Little Harris in practice, or did you kind of spread out and see at least all the non-Griffin lakes? Yeah. Actually, I spent the majority of my time in Dora. Um, I spent it in Beauclair, Carlton, the Popka Canal. Matter of fact, I, the two times I, I did go all the way down the canal, uh, I run into John Cox, you know, both days. And, and I can remember in past, I think I fished a, uh, a BFL there. And actually, I think Cox was fishing the exact same BFL, and that's the exact same stretch out where I saw him at. And that was probably a, a, a four or five or six-year span, you know, between the last time I fished there and now. And, and he was in the same stretch. But, uh you know, I, I figured he was going to sight fish, and that's not. I really tried to avoid sight fishing, so I spent a, a day or two down, you know, in those lakes, and then I spent actually one day between uh, Lake Eustis, and I spent a day between the the final day of practice between useless, useless. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, a lot of people called it that. I don't. I, I don't. Uh, it worked out pretty well for I guess Matt Reed, but. It wasn't – most of the guys were just running through it, it felt like, to me. Yeah, and, and every time I've ever fished down there, I've had no experience in Lake Eustis. It's uh, – like I said, everybody calls it useless, so I've always went on and went into Griffin. Um, but actually, we were staying at that Lake Harris Lodge on Lake Harris right there. So 
they had their own ramp there. So in the mornings, I wouldn't drive and go launch at, you know, Griffin, or I wouldn't drive and go launch at Lake Eustis. I just launched there because it was easier. And um, and actually right there where I won the tournament is, is actually right there where I was staying. And I would drive through there every day and see it, but I would never really stop and fish it, you know. Yeah. So it's uh, it's crazy, you know. One afternoon I come in, uh, Scott Wiley, that was he, me and him room together, and uh, Scott was actually fishing behind that island, but he was more towards the other end. And uh, I stopped right before dark, and he, yeah, I've caught a couple two pounders. He said, but nothing, you know, it's not good. But it's if we need a bite, you can probably swing through here. And actually, where we cranked, you know, cranked up the room on the very tip of the island, I run over. Actually, the wind and patch of hydrilla out there, and um, you know, running in, I didn't know it at the time, but you know, just waypointed it, and because of the bad boat number, I decided to start actually around in that area the first morning, and come to find out that was actually the winning area. Yeah. So, give me the lowdown on the tournament, uh, especially kind of the first three days, because the final day, like it was electric for you. I mean, you you got bites and you landed them, but the first three days, like it felt like, from what I understand, every day you were kind of close to really making it happen and just couldn't quite put it together or keep them all buttoned up, right? Yeah, I mean, I had the bites to, to, to really, you know, actually just walk away with the tournament, and I was having a hard time. I, I broke off a few good ones, and then, you know, of course, throwing that, that lip was, you know, the rattle trap, I, you're going to lose a few fish, and... Just unfortunately for me, the first three days I did, I lost probably the biggest bites I had every day on that trap. So I finally got kind of, you know, dialed into exactly the, the better three stretches by the final day. So, and then that's, you know, I'd eliminated water every day. You know, hey, this place, and yeah, you can catch a few, but there's not, you know, there's not much size to them. Or, hey, this stretch you can catch, you know, they're a lot bigger. So that's what I tried to focus on on the final day. And um, that's, that's the exact same couple clumps right there where I lost the two big ones on day three. So I knew the fish were there, so that's why I turned around. I run down there on day four and, and just started there and put them in the boat. So that, that was the biggest key. I mean, I had the bikes to, like I said, blow the tournament out of the water. But, you know, thank goodness the final day I just didn't lose them. Yeah, no doubt. What was uh, what was that final day like? Because you had the live camera in the boat, um, and you were you started early on them. You, it's not like it's not like you uh, waited around and you know caught a couple little fish or anything. Like you pretty much just got the whole thing started off right in style. So what was that? What was that morning like? How were you feeling? Oh, the morning. You know, I, I told the camera guy when we got in the boat. He's like, you know, how you feeling? And I was like. I was like, I'm in fifth, buddy. I was like, it's final day. I said, you know, I don't have, I don't really have, I can't go too far. I said, so I'm, I mean, I'm comfortable. You know, I wasn't nervous or anything. And, and, uh, you know, he said, well, what do you think it's going to take? And I said, I, you know, honestly, I said, I think I'm going to need to catch, you know, around 20 to, to 23 pounds. I said, actually, to give Cox a scare. And I said, and I'm not even saying, you know, you'll win it with that. But I said, it'll, it'll make for a good TV show. And, and sure enough, we run down there in a foul hook one, probably close to seven. I'm talking about within five minutes. And then turn around, and I think I catch one decent one. And then I 
within the next four or five minutes, I turn around and catch one. And I, I mean, that fish was eight pounds. So I'm sitting there in my head and I'm like, okay, well, you got probably 16, almost 17 with three. And then, you know, I'm thinking, well, if you just finish it off with three pounders, I said, you're going to have, you know, around 21 to 23 pounds. And, and I caught a couple other decent fish, finally finished my limit. And, uh, you know, I had one probably three and three quarters. I had one that I knew that was about three, and then I had one small one that was around two. And uh, I think at three o'clock, I finally made a call and uh, on a trap, getting getting ready to head in. And that fish probably called about a pound. So I knew it was going to be close, but honestly, I you know didn't really expect to win. I, but I promise you, it was a very long day. And that's what I I was joking with the camera guy. I said at like 11 o'clock I was like can we just weigh in you know normally when you're fishing the time flies by so fast and actually it was probably the slowest day i've ever had on water huh that's pretty that's, that's pretty interesting that you would that it would slow down like that after after you got off to that hot start because you're right most of the time you know you're getting down to the final hour or two and you're like man i need one more i need one more and you're starting to go faster and faster or something and that's that wasn't the case you had your one more already you were you were kind of cooking um yeah to start out with those two big ones the first hour i mean you know anybody that fishes tournaments period i mean that's just a a a weight off your shoulders and not only to catch one big one but to catch two within 15 or 20 minutes that's uh you know that was just a huge relief in itself you know so that's what i had no doubt. Well, obviously, uh, it's a huge accomplishment to to beat out that tour field and to win your to win to win any time is amazing. To win your rookie year, especially. I mean, you had some really close calls last year in the Coast FLW series, and of course, you did win one. You know, you won at Wheeler. Um, are you? I assume like you're planning on making a career out of bass fishing for a long, for a long time. Hopefully, is that is that sort of your your goal or do you still have other irons in the uh, fire i mean that's that's always you know it's funny i mean that's always been a dream of mine and it's always uh you know that that's what i've always you know working to that's what i said that's the that that's the makes the the months that i've spent out of town you know working construction it's you know just to win it makes it all worth it you know but it's definitely a sacrifice and you know, I, I don't know. I guess probably the biggest thing, you know, last year winning that, that uh, Wheeler tournament gave me enough money to roll over into the tour. And, uh, you know, where I wouldn't be completely, you know, where I wasn't strapped. I mean, yeah, it's a gamble. I mean, entry fees are expensive. But, um, you know, just winning that tournament last year at Wheeler actually kind of gave me the confidence. Okay, hey, look, you can you can beat these guys. Or, you know, you can compete with these guys because uh, – I mean, Glenn Brownie's a you know a, a great fisherman. He was there all year last year, and you know to go out the final day at Wheeler, and actually I started in fifth at Wheeler, and then come back and win. Uh, you know, it, it gave me a boost of confidence, and that was pretty much the last you know regular season tournament of the year. So, you know, I, I felt good coming into this year that I could you know cash some checks and 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 make a good showing, and that that's that was my goal. Yeah, that uh, it seems like that fifth fifth place spot might be kind of your sweet spot. Um, now I guess I, I like it. I like it. Number five sounds good to me. You know, it's 
it's it's you're just close enough you can win, but you're just kind of far enough back. Nobody care or you know nobody really checks on you. Nobody worries about you. So uh, so I like it. I uh, I like it too. Um, as far as uh, I guess the rest of the season, you said you're sort of concerned about maybe not concerned, but that you don't know what's at stake or what's going on necessarily at Beaver and Cumberland. Um, but do you feel kind of do you feel like you've got the background that it could take to do well at the Potomac and at Lacrosse? Um, yeah, actually, uh, it's kind of funny, you know. I don't want to get too too you know overexcited one way or another, but um, as far as you know the Potomac, I mean, I grew up right here on the Mobile Delta, kind of you know the Tensaw Delta, so I'm actually. Tidal water, I'm fine with it. It doesn't bother me a bit. That's what I grew up fishing. You know, I, I think that after what I've read about Potomac, I've never been there, but I, I know the tide swings a lot higher and um, than it is down here. And then if I drive, you know, 30, 45 minutes north, I can actually go up and fish the Alabama River and the Tom Bigby River. And it's just uh, pretty much a river. You fish current breaks, you know, laydowns, jetties. So from what I've read about Wisconsin, I'm, I'm, I feel like I should do okay at either one of the two. So, okay. like, like I said, Beaver's probably my biggest concern, and then Cumberland, just because I don't know, you know, no, I don't know anything about it, and I've never, never had a chance to fish it. But um, I mean, I lived up towards Lake Martin in Alabama for a, a couple years. So, I mean, I'm, I it don't. You know, it don't bother me being that it's deep and it's uh, it's clear. So it's just okay. I wouldn't say it's my strong suit by any means. Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good point about sort of where you're at in Alabama because you're from or you're living in Atmore, Alabama, right now. And when you look at that on a map, it's like almost as far like I guess southwest in Alabama as you can go. Like uh-huh. you're right you're right down by the ocean. And usually when you think of a pro from Alabama, they're from like. Eufaula or up by Gunnersville by the Tennessee River. Not that part of Alabama where you're from, which is kind of unique. Um, yeah, it is. And, and, you know, a couple of the interviews, you know, everybody's like, you know, hey, what's your favorite type of fishing? And honestly, I mean, I like the crappie fish, but I really like two inshore fish, uh, redfish, speckled trout. Um, you know, and I like to, like to go out in the Gulf and fish too, so. It's definitely, uh, growing up here, the, the fish on the river, you know, aren't near as big or does it, you know, they don't get near as big as they do on Tennessee River, but, you know, the, you can pretty much drive an hour any direction and do basically any type of fishing you want to do, whether you want to focus on spotted bass or whether you want to go redfish or whether you want to go catch red snapper, it's, uh, it's within about an hour. Cool. That's, uh, that's kind of neat to have that kind of, that kind of variety there because, I mean, most people don't get to grow up in a place where they can bass fish and catch a whole bunch of saltwater fish. It's usually either one or the other for for most most of the time. Um, and, well, maybe not one or the other, because I guess there's usually bass near the ocean at least, but it kind of leans hard one way or the other. Um, but that's right. cool you got to see yeah. everything. Um, yeah, definitely. It's, it's uh, been a blessing to grow up here, you know, just being able to diversity of the the type of fish you know so bless it for sure um i guess uh i guess my last my last question um you know you're i 
obviously your goal is to make checks. Um, but you're definitely in the you're looking good for a possible rookie of the year run. You're looking real good for a Forestwood Cup qualification. Uh, let's say like let's say the second half of the season goes well, decently. You know, and you you at least make the Forestwood Cup or something like that. What's what are kind of your your future your future goals? Um, you know, for for the seasons down the road, is there anything that you really would want to accomplish? Because you've already knocked you've already knocked a win off the uh, off that off that list. Yeah, I mean, uh, d- definitely. It's uh, you know, my goal this year, of course, was to make the Forest Wood Cup. Uh, you know, I've even told my wife this about fishing the the, the coasts. I said, look, if you're not making you know top fives, I said honestly, you're not going to get much exposure, and you know. I don't have any paying sponsors that, that pay me. I have some product sponsors, but, you know, I said to get recognized, I said, honestly, I said, you really need to win or you really need to be, you know, in that top five. So, you know, my goal this year was to make the cup, um, you know, to make one top 10 and to, uh, you know, cash as many checks as I can cash, you know, the the fishing for, I think $300,000 at the cup, that's, uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollars is life changing, but three hundred thousand dollars and the cup title is really life changing. So, you know, one thing about it, if you're not there competing in it, you're definitely not gonna win it. So that was <laughs> That's for that, sure. That that was yeah, that's my that was my main goal at the end of the year and to win one coming out of the first year, of course, uh I mean so it's a, it's been an awesome experience and you know honestly I'd really like to do it again. Just uh you know, just to kind of relive it and now knowing what I know, you know. That that's uh, I hear you on that. There's there's it's you're never gonna repeat the second time, the first time, uh, exactly or anything, but like I can see that there's a certain charm to, you know, doing it again and sort of knowing how it's gonna go a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, that that's exactly you took the words out of my mouth. It's it's hard to explain, but just being you know, being a rookie and then knowing okay, hey, listen, you know, you need to contact these people or these people are going to contact you and then, you know, answering the questions and saying the right things and actually being able to sit down and, and enjoy it for a little bit and take it all in. It's, uh, you know, last week was so crazy and then all of a sudden I wake up, you know, this Monday and I'm like, okay, hey, you know, you actually, you just, you want a tour event, so... Yeah, really. Probably this past week, it's it's actually set in. The week before, it was it was wild. So, I really didn't even realize it. Yeah, for like, you know, for Mark Rose when he won two events, like that was in a row. Like that's incredible. But the thing is, he's won a whole bunch before. I mean, he he probably took each one just in stride. Like it's not a he obviously after you win two, it's kind of crazy. But you know, he's won. He's won plenty of events, you know. He's he's been through that whole that whole ride a couple of times before in his life, and you haven't you'd never really gotten to do that. And it's if you get to do it a second time, it's going to be all the more cool, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't wait. It, and actually, it would be nice to go back to back. So uh, uh, to to tie somebody with a name like Mark Rose for uh, you know. It would be a yeah, that would be a wild experience. So hopefully after Cumberland, we'll be doing another interview. But uh, <laughs> that would be something else, counting, that's for sure. <laughs> counting my tickets where they had, so so to speak. So cool. Well, uh, 
Bradley, thanks, uh, thanks for taking the time to come on um, and uh, t- and talk. It's a pleasure talking with you. Um, before I let you go, is there anything you want to plug as far as uh, where people should follow you on social media or any sponsors or anything like that that uh, you want to get out there? Yeah, absolutely. If you guys for that, you can go to my you know fishing Facebook page. It's Bradley Dorch Fishing, you know, on Facebook, or you can go to Instagram. It's Bradley Dorch Fishing. And then, um, no, I'm, I'm headed to the classic actually in the morning to do some work for blazer boats and Enigma rods and, uh, and, 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 uh, Bob's machine shop, power pole, mercury. It's, uh, it's, you know, just, just a handful of sponsors that helped me out and helped me to get where I am today. So, you know, I'm excited. That'd be my first trip there. So it's, uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, uh, sounds like you got a busy, busy week ahead of you. And of course, Cumberland's not too far after that, so man, uh, thanks for coming on and uh, take it easy, I guess. Zardy, I appreciate it, buddy, and, and thanks to you and FLW and everything you guys do. I, I truly appreciate it. So Kyle, not immediately uh, last week, but I guess two weeks ago now, we got done with the uh, FLW tour at Harris Chain. Uh, third stop of the year. Shockingly, Mark Rose did not win it. Um, yes. Yeah, also, Brian Thrift, Brian Thrift didn't finish second either, which is super weird. I know how terrible he finished sixth. Ah, gosh, what a bump! What a what can a you believe? Bump. It? <laughs> um, but uh, the man who won was Bradley Dorch, um, and you got to actually you got to go out with him afterward to film the day five video, and mm-hmm. you got to watch him fish a whole lot. Uh, I think you were on him a bunch of day three, and then all of the final day. Yeah. Uh, so. I don't know. Give me the lowdown. Was there anything that really interested you in how he was fishing or how he caught his fish? Um, I think in terms of how he's fishing, I told him uh, in that day five video, I was like, man, it, it doesn't really get more Florida than throwing a speed worm, uh, a lipless crankbait, and a Texas rig Senko flipping around some pads. You know, I feel like that's that's about as, you know, Florida-y as it comes. So. That aspect was pretty uh, pretty straightforward. It was kind of cool, the the spot he was fishing. Um, there was actually, there was like a big hydrilla line down the edge of that island on the east side of Harris, um, and he dabbled down there and catch some smaller fish. But the, there were two clumps of like really good, crisp hydrilla on the t- almost the tip of that point. And he found those, and there were needlefish around there, and there were... Lots of other, there was like a lot of life around it. And he kind of just, when he could hit it right, when he could get there right away in the morning, he could usually catch a big one. Um, he also lost a lot of big ones uh, throughout that tournament. But, I mean, the the volume of big ones that were in there was kind of interesting. Um, and then, like, on the final day when he switched over and started throwing that speed worm because he saw more needlefish around and he'd already – you know, he foul hooked that one big one right away in the morning, and he was like, "Oh, I'm definitely not doing that again." Um, it was kind of cool to watch him make those. You know, it's like it's such a little adjustment. It seems to make so much sense, but it, you know, if he wouldn't have done that, he might not have caught that other big one. He wouldn't have won, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, it was interesting because the final, like that whole tournament, like John Cox was a story. I mean, I think everyone everyone knew that he was the favorite going into the event. And 
it really looked like he was going to win the event. Like I really, Oh yeah. I mean, I knew the other guys were like, they were, I knew that I wouldn't, I won't say everyone in the top 10. Cause really I figured everyone from like fifth place and up was close enough to make a run. If that makes sense. Yep. You know, I thought it could be done. Um, and then, uh, uh, lo and behold, you know, he, he really struggled on that final day. I mean, he was very close to actually, he was very close to actually pulling it off. Right. Um, and I, I don't know, do you, it's not like we've added a new chapter to the sight fishing or anything super special, but it was really interesting to me how, just how good John Cox is at sight fishing. Because oh, he man. made it work better than, like, nobody else in the top ten even really sight fished at all. Like, Right, I was going to say, other than Shane LaHue, I think he was the only... Some, uh, JT Kenny was blind sight fishing some the first three days, which, I mean, we'll get to JT Kenny. Uh, <laughs> but, like, other than that, I mean, Weaver wasn't sight fishing, Britt wasn't sight fishing, Transigir was doing the uh, pads thing, yep. Thrift wasn't sight fishing at all, Reed wasn't at all. I mean, it, I don't really know for sure what Whitson was doing, but I don't think he was sight fishing. In fact, I'm, like, almost 100% sure. Like, it was, it, it's kind of cool how not a sight tournament it turned out to be, even though the guy who was almost won it was sight fishing. Right, and it's, uh, like, when he talked to him, uh, when he talked to John, it, like, about sight fishing, especially here on the Harris Chain where he has a lot of, um, he's got a lot of history, you know, so he knows certain canals that maybe they spawn later in or, or uh, you know, hold better concentrations of fish or whatever it is. But John Cox is just so comfortable putting the trolling motor on 100%. And he was going, like, on, on days one and two, I mean, he was trolling motor, it'd be like six miles straight, he was saying, down canals of just trolling motor. Like, not casting, not, um, you know, not trying to just randomly catch one. It was solely stare in the water until you saw one that looked good enough to catch, which... I think scares the crap out of everyone else in the field. Like, why? Why would you waste so much time not having a line in the water? It seems so uh, counterintuitive to to what the sport is, right? But John Cox is like, eh, whatever. I'll catch five. They'll all be big. That's fine. Well, that's what it is, though. I mean, it's all about catching five. You know what I mean? Right. And he's he on the first three days, he absolutely, you know, he had that dialed in. And then yeah. on the last day, he well, he still caught five, but. He didn't catch the five he wanted to catch. You right, know, he and was, the, he did he, find he big ones on up the on, Yeah, he passed up on catching a lot of keepers in favor of trying very hard to catch yes. some fish that he just could not be caught, unfortunately. Yeah, he actually, I um, I edited a blog for John yesterday. Uh, so I imagine that'll come out on FLW Fishing pretty soon. Uh, but it's kind of cool. It, it He talks like kind of his mindset every day and, like how how much of a mental challenge it was, and then on the final day he found all these big ones with not a lot of time left, but they weren't right, which is the most frustrating aspect of sight fishing, right? Like when it's going, it's good. Like, you know, he only caught five or six on the first day, but the, it, it, he didn't have to work too long. You know, it was like 10, 15 minutes. Pretty reasonable in the in the scope of sight fishing. But then when you can see the ones, like basically he saw fish that would have won him the tournament, but he knew – they weren't catchable. And he tried, but, you know, they just 
it didn't work out, obviously. Which, yeah. gosh, could you imagine? Like, final day, you're like, man, if I could just get, whatever, 15 pounds or well, 20 he weighed pounds or whatever 14, you have in your mind. Yeah, he weighed 14.3 on the he final He would have needed 20, I guess, or roughly 19-something. But, I mean, still, like, could you imagine yeah, in your head you like have this weight? 18 or 19 would have done it, probably. You see some big ones swimming around, and they just won't eat, and you're like, that's that's my tournament right there. Those those two fish, those three fish, that's that's a hundred thousand dollars yeah no that's something else um i guess we've talked about the guy in first and we've talked about the guy who finished third now but what about Um, second yeah so how about that jt kenny guy (laughs) oh man 27 pounds three ounces on the final day smashed biggest bag of the derby i mean just lit him up uh he was crazy so oh, gosh, it was man, and like the whole, I, I you break it down for me because I, I thought it was so. I was following along uh, on flwfishing.com while I was watching Bradley Dorch because I was like, holy crap, JT is gonna like Dorch is having a phenomenal final day, but JT's gonna crush him. <laughs> yeah, like that was the thing. Like we didn't. By the time we got to weigh in, we didn't know. We were we knew that John Cox wasn't gonna win. You know. But we didn't know if yep. JT Kenny was might win because right. we didn't know how much he had. And, like, there was a chance he had, like, 29 or 30 pounds. For like sure. Like, a legitimate possibility. And if he had that, then all of a sudden he's the guy who wins. Mm-hmm. And he goes from ninth to first on the final day, which would have been amazing. But, yeah, so, like, you know, the day starts. And I think JT Kenny, like, I think he made a few – he might have made a few casts in Harris or something like that. Yep. And then – ran into griffin which he hadn't or i don't even think he did actually i think he went straight to griffin which of course he hadn't gone to griffin in the whole tournament right he'd and, been sitting in in harris all three days yeah harris and that. little harris like blind fishing basically fishing pads fishing uh uh like docks and places where the, he thought there would be a bed uh you know with his not a senko uh what's that gambler thing he always fat ace his, that's his deal yeah the fat ace so anyhow he was he'd been doing that the whole tournament. He goes over into Griffin, and like right off the bat, I start getting pictures of JT Kenny with like big fish, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well that's that big, that's that big, and then I finally I'm like messing around trying to get it, and I think I had I had Bergen trying to go take pictures of thrift, and yep. he's like lost wandering around the lake. I'm like, no, you got to go here. And he's like, no, don't. I'm like, oh, eventually I'm like, well, just, he's like, oh, I found him. I'm like, okay, well, don't do that anymore. I need you to go to the (laughs) biggest point in the lake and go to JT Kenny. (laughs) And uh, so, like, I finally get a camera on him. Granted, I've got a Marshall on him. And, uh, yeah, we just, I mean, he just lit him up. It was incredible. He started, he went from fishing shallow. And granted, I think he was still fishing pretty shallow. But, you know, he caught all those fish the final day on like a Carolina rig and a rattle trap on little shell bed type places, like little offshore things. And it was amazing. Yeah, no, that was cool. Uh, I would, if he had won, gosh, would, it would have been, a, I mean, first of all, you would have said that, man, JT Kenny just owns central Florida. Like, right. holy smokes. <laughs> uh, when you, you know, pile on Toho and then that, but I mean, even then it was, it was pretty cool. Now, what I gotta, what I gotta ask, 
You went and did a practice gallery with him. I did. Did you ever fish any of those spots? Like, did you have an inkling that this was a possibility in practice, or were you as kind of surprised as everyone else that he just changed gears so much and then had it go so well? Um. Well, he kind of hinted at the he had been on Griffin. Um. Well, well he'd never really been to Harrison. Yeah, right. Uh, but I'm saying, I guess he, when I practiced with him, he also planned on checking some other things on Griffin when I wasn't with him. But he kind of talked to me about it. And he fished a lot of that, that big grass flat on the north end of the lake that everyone kind of everyone um, fished there. beat up. Yeah, he had a few yeah. spots that he caught him in the open. Uh, there was like one particular grass clump with a little ditch. Uh, and he caught a few fish out of that. And... But then we did run, we ran past that point, that big point, and actually fished some, there's like two really small points south of that um, that he kind of stopped on that had, one of them was a, a clump of hydrilla and the other one had uh, uh, had one of those fish attractor things on it, which is what the tip of that point has a lot of as well. But when we went around the point, he just pointed at it and he said, that's a really good spot, and then kept driving, which is kind of funny now knowing that he... Uh, that he caught him yep. there. It, it is a really good spot. But, no, I, I didn't uh, – he did send me a picture, though, when I got off the water with him, which was about uh, 1 o'clock, a little quarter after 1 on, on – uh, I guess that would have been the second day of practice. He did send me a picture, like, two hours later of a great big one, like a 7-pounder or something that he caught. And But he, he had it, you know, like a uh, picture facing down in the floor of the boat so there were no – um, like not that I, not that he had to worry. I was going to, you know, tell everyone or, or post it anywhere, but, uh, um, hey, you got to take the no landmarks photo though. You know, that's right. You, when he, that's but when of, he did that, I was like, Oh, okay. JT, which is why I was actually really surprised he fished in Harris the first three days, but I guess his plan, he didn't want to go. He knew how many people were going to go to Griffin and he just didn't really want to hang around that. He had most of Harris to himself. I mean, there were only a handful of guys that were, um, you know, fit like Dorch, same kind of thing. There were a few other guys fishing around where he was, but for the most part, he had it all to himself. Yeah, it was interesting. It turned into really kind of a Harris and Griffin tournament. It did. And, like John Cox went all the way to the Apopka Canal. I don't think he locked through in the final day, but I know he locked through at least one of the days. Mm-hmm. And. There's a series of canals sort of before between Beauclair or Beauclair and Apopka, and he was, like, fishing all the way down in there, which is like an hour away. I mean, it's a <laughs> long way. Uh, and then you've got uh, – and th- and so he was down there, but then, you know, LaHue, uh, Kenny, Dorch, uh, Britt, Weaver, they were all right in – they were all right in Griffin. Or not Griffin in uh, in Harris Harris most of the time. Little Harris, Matt Reed fished yeah. in like Eustis, and pretty much everyone else was over in Griffin. Um, yeah. So it was kind of interesting how that worked out. Uh, you know, I didn't, I, I don't, I didn't know enough about the lakes to know if lakes like, uh, uh, like. What, it's not Eustis, like Dora and those and Beauclair and those other oh, lakes yeah. that they would play or not and really they didn't uh john cox found some fish 
and caught a couple keepers in Dora on the last day, but that was really about it. I mean, mm-hmm. other than that, that lake was, to my knowledge, kind of a ghost town. Like, it was a lake yes. that people drove through, uh, which is interesting. Uh, it is a cool tournament. I mean, I was I would go back and have another derby there in a heartbeat just because... Oh, yeah. It's a... For such a... It's a big body of water. For being Florida, it's really diverse. Uh, I liked, you know, I it's it's a lot it's a lot like uh, the Kissimmee chain, in that you've got because it's so many different lakes, guys can spread out a little bit, but there's also just a there's a lot of different options of what to do, and I like that kind For of sure. tournament. Um, so it was fun. Uh, anyhow. Uh, I guess we should touch on the Angler of the Year race, right? Oh, I suppose. Um, so, uh, it's just going to come as a shock, but Brian Thrift is leading the Angler of the Year race. <laughs> uh, he has 593 points so far, which is, like, pretty amazing. Almost perfect. He's definitely, yeah, he's definitely on pace for, like, a historic season. Now, granted, he's got some tournaments coming up that could trip him up and some tournaments coming up that he might also really excel in. So we'll see what happens, but right. it's, uh, he's definitely lighting him up in second. We got Brandon Cobb, uh, then Clark yeah. Wendlet in third, yeah. uh, then Mark Rose right behind him in fourth. And then Casey Scanlon is kind of a chunk behind, uh, Rose. Yep, there's a little drop off. Uh, and then you've got Jay Kendrick and then, You've got really a whole slew of guys from, let's say, like 12th or 13th on up who I don't want to say they're out of the race because they're not necessarily. But when you look at like Thrift and Cobb and Wenlet, none of those guys look like they're going to necessarily falter that much. And they're all off to really good starts. Um, So I got to. I kind of think that Clark Wendlitz the AOI favorite right now. And I realize this is a stupid thing to say, right? <laughs> but I kind of... Like, I've got him on one of my fantasy teams, so I like that aspect. Speaking of which, i got to do my fantasy team. Um, but I don't know. I mean, is it crazy to think that like he's still got a pretty good shot at this? Heck no. I mean... Uh... Like you, you laid out Cumberland. I think uh, I think Winlet could have a really good tournament at Cumberland. Um, I think Thrift will finish second in that one or win it. Well, there you go. I, that's that's my problem. Like, I don't know. I see. I think the last two tournaments of the season are going to be super critical because I don't see a whole lot of separation happening in these next in these next two at Cumberland yep. Beaver Lake. Like, I think probably if you do well at Cumberland, you're going to also do well at Beaver Lake. Is my guess. Um, and, uh, yeah, the Mississippi river will be kind of, a. I think there'll be some people that, you know, start losing ground or gaining good ground on that one. And then the Potomac is like Brian thrift's worst nightmare yet. Yeah. When let's, which granted he has a top 10 there in his career. He does, but he, uh, vocally he speaks out about how much he doesn't like it. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily the Potomac. It's tides, uh, particularly, uh, and yeah, also yeah, good point that he doesn't like. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be really, it's gonna be a really interesting finish to the season, I think. Because I definitely not to look too far ahead, but I feel like there's a decent chance that you know you could have. 
we could either be crowning an AOI champion on day two at the Potomac, and it could be Brian Thrift, or we could be going into the weekend, and you know, it's a matter of does Clark Wenlit or heck, even Brandon Cobb. Like, I'm I don't want to doubt Brandon Cobb at all, but he's not Clark Wenlit. He doesn't have the history <laughs> well, yeah. of the Potomac. You know what I mean? But like, I, there's a possibility that we could be getting down into that where. Brian Thrift actually does have a bad tournament or two at the end of the season. And you get to kind of see someone needs to, like, make up two points or something. Right. And really, uh, like, it, it'll be a, it'll be a cool – because I, I think you're right. I think Cumberland, Beaver, uh, I don't think we'll see a whole lot of crazy stuff happening. I think – I definitely wouldn't expect Thrift to falter there. Like, I'd expect him to bank right. probably top 20s, probably top 10s realistically at both of those. <laughs> but – and that's where, like, I'm thinking Mississippi River, Potomac, you think bad tournament. Like, let's just, you know, speak on thrift. It uh, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to, like, bomb it. But, you know, if he finishes 35th, but uh, Wenlet Rose, Cobb, or something like that gets a top 10, you know, that's that's making up a pretty good chunk of ground when the race yeah. might be pretty tight then. And so it's not like a... Super horrible tournament could cause uh, one of these guys to lose the AOI. It just slip up enough that the guys behind them can gain ground, which would be I kind of like the last two tournaments. I think it'll be a cool setup to the end of the AOI. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, I will say, gosh, where is he? Brian Schmidt is in 29th right now, so he's probably too oh far back to make it. But if he wins the last two, then you never know. <laughs> uh, he's definitely looking. He's looking forward to those rivers so much. Uh, he's just like you, you. You talk to him and you start talking about the rivers. You just see him like starts getting all smiley. He's ready to go. <laughs> um, so uh, that'll be that'll be a fun end. Um, let's see. Any other tour related stuff we want to talk about right now? Um. um... I don't think so. All right. Let's talk a little bit of Cumberland. Uh, first of all, I got to go down. I didn't go down. I really drove up to Cumberland because I went there on my way back from Florida. And I put the boat in, and I basically drove all around the lower end of the lake looking at cell service. I made a very uh, – I actually made a very detailed cell coverage map of really? the uh, lower end of the lake. Um, it is some good, some okay – a lot of bad. <laughs> what what uh, what service provider are we talking about? Well, we're talking Verizon. I didn't have a uh, AT and T uh, card with me, um, so it's going to be fine for our purposes. I think that, from what I understand, there's still some. The live show could get interesting at this one. Let's put it that ah. way. Uh, but anyhow, first off, this lake is gigantic, like. If you there are like any two creeks on the lower end of Cumberland are like the size of Beaver Lake, or at least that's what it feels like. <laughs> um, if you're familiar with like the Clifties, it looks like that. Oh, okay. Um, it also looks I a love lot the Clifties. like yeah. It also looks a lot like Dale Hollow. I mean, it's a really pretty lake. Uh, it's really the only development you see are like these big marinas, and they're all like floating marinas. They're a lot of them are like halfway back in coves or in creeks so like 
you go into a creek and then there'll be an idle section for like let's say 200 yards or so maybe 300 yards where there's a marina and then you can run again but oh. aside from that i mean there it's a really cool lake there's <coughs> because it was so low so many years ago there's not so many, a while ago and it's come up recently it's a little bit like travis it doesn't have the same amount of cover that travis had in it by any means but there are like a lot of pockets and places that are a little bit of a softer shoreline um where you can see like really it's choked in with like old with like pieces of, not wood um with trees and stuff like that but they're all small they're like cedar trees they grew like maybe oh, yeah, 10 okay. or 12 feet high um it's it's a really cool place i've definitely i've enjoyed seeing the post from a couple guys who've gone down in pre-practice because i really don't think i've seen a picture of a largemouth yet I've seen a lot wow. of smallmouth photos. I love smallmouth. Um, I do like smallmouths. Now they got to deal with an 18-inch limit there, so <clears> that's true. It's gonna be a challenge. But honestly, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see. It seems like we're almost certainly gonna hit this thing pretty full-on pre-spawn. I think because when I was there, the water was 48 degrees. Okay. And I was so last week, right, or two weeks ago, and yeah. then we're gonna be there. Uh, two weeks from now, essentially, or two and a half weeks from now. So, I don't see how the water can hit 60 by then. It's such a big, deep lake. It's going to take a lot to warm it up. And we've had a couple sure. warm days, but the high is like 55 today. It's probably colder up in the mountains. Like, I think we're going to see a really solidly pre-spawn tournament, is my guess. Which is going to be good. And we're going to get some fat some really fat fish and i think that might make it it might make it so that we could see a winner who weighs in four fish a couple of days but four smallmouth and you know they caught a couple 17 and a half that they wouldn't that wouldn't keep or something right i don't know so Not, that was gonna be my other question i knew i knew there was a the 18 inch limit but you could keep like if you caught five 19 inch smallmouths you could keep all of them yeah you can keep as many smallmouth as you want okay um they just have and to then, be over 18. Yeah, and it, I think there's spotted bass in there too, and I think that limit's like 12 inches. And then the limit on largemouth is 14, which still, a 14-inch largemouth can be... It's probably a lot easier to catch a 12-inch largemouth than it is to catch a 14-inch largemouth. That said, I know there's pretty good largemouth fishing in there. Like, guys, there are definitely times of the year where like 12 pounds of largemouth wins tournaments there, and then there's times of the year... And this is in local events where it takes over 20 pounds of smallmouth to win tournaments. I don't Dang. think too many guys catch 20-pound limits of largemouth. Oh, like, okay. If, From what I can tell. like I think there's more like 15-pound largemouth limits than there sure. are. Or like maybe a kicker or like limit fish type largemouth than there are. A guy just goes out and you know whacks them. Whereas the smallmouth thing, you can do that. Yeah, okay. Um but anyhow, I'm I'm super curious to see how this one turns out. It's kind of like Harris, where it's relatively unknown. Uh, it's we're going at a time. I mean, really, there's never been a big tournament this time of year at Cumberland. And granted, there's a lot of history of what it takes to do well in spring Highland reservoirs. But you know, we don't. You know, Dale Hollow doesn't see a lot of tournaments. Norris doesn't see a lot of tournaments. You know what I mean? Like, right. This is a very it's going to be very unique, uh, so it should be fun. Oh, I'm pumped. 
Um, but yeah, it's huge. And I, th I've kind of heard that like the fishing is a lot better down near the dam. We're launching way up the river. Like there's going to be a lot of gas burn in this tournament is my guess. Uh, like I think a lot of guys are going to be running, uh, you know, an hour, 50 minutes to their fishing spots. So that'll make it kind of an additional interesting thing. Like it's not like we're launching like at Prairie Creek and you can just stop like two minutes from takeoff and start catching right. them uh, or less. It's like, well, I just put the trolling motor down and well, yeah, got one. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not, not that you couldn't catch fish up there. I think you, I think you can, but I, I would not, it wouldn't surprise me if come tournament day or the final day, most of the folks are fishing way up there or way, uh, way down the lake away from takeoff. Okay. But we'll see. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like you hear, you get, you can get all the conventional wisdom you want from guys who, you know, sort of know things or fish around there. And then you throw the FLW tour guys on there and you kind of throw a lot of that out the window because the guys fishing the FLW tour are better than any of the local guys who fished that lake. They're going to find now They may find the best local stuff, but they're also odds are going to find something new. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it'll be cool. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Alrighty, so we've got. I guess our next uh, our next topic is the uh, college fishing event at Hartwell. Um, if that uh, if that sounds if that sounds good to you. Oh sure. Alrighty. Um, oh, first off, the uh, let's we'll start with the, we'll start with our winners. Um, Brian College uh, picked up the win. Uh, the team of. Uh, Matt Brown and DJ Barber. And uh, Matt Brown I actually fished with in that Southern Open last year that I won at Smith Lake. Um, and oh, he cool. was fishing on the boater side. And he caught him like crazy the second day and got a check. And the first day, the first day he, I think, would have caught a lot fewer fish if I hadn't been with him. But, you know, it turned out really well for both of us. Anyhow, point <laughs> is, I think the dude's a hammer. <laughs> uh, is what I'm getting at, but they uh, they caught 18 pounds, 14 ounces, so almost 19, um, and they were running up the river quite a ways uh, into some dirty water, and apparently caught a pile of fish on a crankbait. Um, cool. They caught like a six pounder on the first cast, so you know if you catch a six pounder in your first cast, it's usually going pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Um, so anyhow, that's how they that's how they caught them, and they've had I think a pretty good season so far. And obviously they're qualified for the national championship now. Uh, Clemson got second, uh, which is I guess pretty shocking considering. Not, yeah. no, it's not shocking at all. Oh, they came they came all the way down there to fish there. Yeah, I know all the way. Can you imagine? But it was a uh, it, there were 176 teams in this one, and it's Dang. a southeastern division event, the final one of the uh, of their <clears> season. So. If you haven't qualified out of the Southeastern Division now for the national championship, your only chance is the uh, college fishing open on Kentucky Lake coming up in April. At the same time, we're going to be at Cumberland. So there's uh, it's getting down to the wire now if you're from the Southeastern Division, but obviously there's a lot of action in the other divisions. Um, sure, sure. But anyhow, so they, they won it, and they were definitely a story of the, the event, but really the story of the event is that well, I think anyhow, is that we made some history. Uh, for the first time, we've got an all-female team that qualified for the national championship. Um, 
J.C. Skipper and Riley Tyson caught 12 pounds, 8 ounces, and finished 14th. Uh, they're from uh, the Savannah College of Art and Design, which actually, they actually have a fishing, they have a fishing team. It's a varsity sport. Uh, they've got a men's fishing team, a women's fishing team, and a club team there. Um, Dang. And they, uh, they're, they're the first time we've had an all-women's team make the uh, make national championship. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, back in 2011, Allison Shaw and her partner Thomas White, uh, fishing for Chico State, made the national championship. Sure. Um, but other than that, we've never had, uh, you know, we've never had two women. And honestly, I can't really recall too many teams of two women competing at any at any college fishing level. But they caught their fish on a shaky head, um, and uh, they got five bites all day, and they got all five of them in the boat. Um, Nice. And I would expect that by the time you're listening to this, there'll be a semi-extensive article up about it on FLWFishing.com, uh, written by yours truly, um, that I would encourage you to read. So there, there so you have it. The though, it's uh, Riley and what's the other chick's name? JC. J A C I. I see. I would have thought it was like Jackie, but spelled weird. I was when I when I made when I picked up the phone I was kind of prepared for any pronunciation and uh, <laughs> I was I won't say I was surprised but I was like oh interesting <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah that was uh, that's the that's the name of the game there well cool and yeah both these girls uh, or women they both fished in high school um, which I feel like I've noticed a lot more girls fishing in high school and like a lot more high school fishing teams with girls on them than I would have not than I would have expected but then you would have seen even in college fishing like five or six years ago yeah so I think we might this is very likely not going to be the last um all women's team that qualifies for the national championship would be my guess definitely not um but it was cool I I mean I'm I'm down for making history for sure and heck yeah anytime we can do have something like that happen it's fun. Faux show. Um, you got some uh, BFL updates for me? Because we oh, have man, a get, lot of them, right? Get your popcorn ready because <laughs> we got our right, BFLs. There were Rice Krispie treats in the break room a while ago. Should I go get one? Oh, you probably should. And by the time you come back, I will be maybe through the first BFL. Okay, you keep talking. I'll go. No, I'm going <laughs> to. I can't wait to hear about all these. Well, <clears throat> uh, because I'm slightly biased, I'm going to lead in with... The uh, South Carolina division held on Santee Hooper over this weekend. Bradford Beavers. Yeah, won. baby. 25 pounds. Qualified Bradford Beavers. Heck yeah. 25 pounds, 13 ounces. Um, he was fishing kind of shallow on the upper end um, with a half ounce uh, catcher lures jig, which I believe is also what he caught some fish on in his top 10 at uh seminole a couple weeks ago so probably just kept it tied on because bradford beavers is kind of cool like that and just said you know what i'm gonna keep throwing this thing and uh oh i remember what happened in this one sorry i accidentally closed the tab but it was really windy uh on santee over the weekend so it kind of forced him to fish um areas that he didn't originally plan to fish and so he caught some fish on the jig 
And then he went down to the lower end, started fishing some of those um, stump flats uh, with a Strike King uh, square bill, and caught some more fish, and that was about it. So he basically threw everything out the window and fished areas he could fish because of the conditions and won it. And not by much, might I add. It was only a couple ounces. Ken Ellis got third, who's kind of a hammer around there. Maybe you've yeah, heard of it. Maybe you haven't. Um, but yeah, good for Bradford. Raking in money. Oh, yeah. So there's one. <laughs> the second one, we had a choo-choo division event, which is on Gunnersville. And uh, Andy Parkinson won that one with 23 pounds, 4 ounces. Um, he was fishing a ditch um, somewhere in the back of a creek in like the middle of the lake it was like four feet deep dropped down to six and a half uh and guess what he was throwing a lipless crankbait it was a booyah one knocker rayburn red um and he caught some fish there was like scattered milfoil on the ditch so he caught some fish uh doing that and then as it warmed up the fish started pulling up to spawn so then he was fishing lily pads uh, with a Strike King paired with the Strike King, or a swim jig paired with the Strike King Rage Craw. Getting ahead of myself. Caught a big one, caught a 7 9 and a four pounder and locked it up. But guess who got second? Casey Martin. Gosh. Can you believe that? Can you believe now, did that? Did he catch 40 pounds? No, he only had 22 8. Guess uh, who got sixth? Alex Davis. Guess who got oh, ninth? Man. Derek Remitz. So, I mean, there was, like, there's kind of some hammers going around in there. Dude, that division is terrifying. Oh, I my mean, gosh. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of, on the one hand, amazed that people still fish it because I feel like I would get the feeling, gosh, I'm throwing my money away. At the same right. time, like, you never know. And you're not just fishing for a win. You're fishing for points and making the All-American and stuff like that. And For sure. You know, I'm not making the All-American, making the regional. But anyhow, that division, uh, it's amazing yeah. how good at the, the ramp uh, in the morning I'd be competition like, there is. Ah, oh, crap. Ah, <laughs> oh, dang. But, yeah. So, good good for Parkinson. Um, what do we got? That's two down. We got, like, five left. Oh, we had an Archie Division event on Lake Greeson. Uh, Jake Orman won that one with 15 pounds, four, 14 ounces. Uh, that tournament was presented by Geared. Uh, he, what did he do? Oh, it was like a crankbait bonanza for him. He threw a DT6, a Rapala DT6, uh, Livingston Lures, Primetime, Squarebill, the 2.0, uh, a half-ounce rattle trap. Oh, gosh, what else did he throw? An Excalibur XR75, which is also uh, a lipless crankbait. And... Caught a lot of fish. Caught like 20, 25 fish throughout the day. Uh, fished around the Little Missouri River um, in an area known as Four Mile Bank, for anyone familiar, familiar with Lake Greeson. And, uh, yeah, that's what he did. Crankbaits left and right. Took home the W. All right. I got a note on this tournament here. Ooh, yeah. Uh, Stetson Blaylock, former FLW Tour Pro, Colonel Elite Series Pro, fish, fished it, finished 48th with 6 pounds, 15 ounces. Ah. So, you know, I did see on social media that he was going to jump in a BFL just for fun. Yep. But I never followed uh, up with how he did. 
also, uh, Stephen Tyson Jr. is like, he finished ninth. He caught 10 pounds, one ounce. He's yep. on social media a whole bunch. I love the guy. He's like, I think he might be in high school or maybe like 20 or 21 or something like that. A young um, dude. But yeah, anyhow, I was excited to see him do well. Oh, um, right on. I don't have too many BFL notes, but for this one, I had a couple. So anyhow, I like continue. It. Hey, anytime we got them, chime on in. Oh, you don't, don't worry. I actually didn't go get that Rice Krispie treat. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, we had a Mississippi Division event on Ross Barnett. And uh, Corey Sullivan won that one. Corey Sullivan caught three bass weighing 12 pounds, 12 ounces. So I'm talking good ones. Yeah. And because almost everyone else in the top five or in the top ten had a five bass limit. Minus a few people, there are a couple four bass limits and another guy with three fish. Um, but I'd say it worked out pretty good. He's uh, He caught him on a Zoom Lizard and a half-ounce striking Hack Attack jig. Um, and he threw a square bow a little bit too, but he was fishing like four and a half, five feet of water. And, yeah, three good bites, put him in the boat, bada-bing, bada-boom, gets the check. He looks really happy in his in his winter picture too. So, good for you, Corey. I like Which it. Which was a little sarcasm because he's not really smiling. But maybe they <laughs> took the picture at a wrong point in time. I don't know. Uh, oh, we had a Shenandoah Division event on Smith Mountain Lake. I love this lake. I've only been there. I think I've been there twice. Never fished it, but I love it. So pretty. Oh gosh, it is. Uh, Shane Burns won that one with 19 pounds, 10 ounces. Um, he, let's see, what did he do? Craddock Creek is where he's fishing some points in. Fishing for smallmouth with the jerkbait. But uh, then switched over to Dave's Tournament Tackle football jig uh, with a Dave's Tournament Tackle sweet tail craw paired on it. And... Um, he found some some big fish like stacked up waiting like staging to spawn and caught him a mix of largemouth and smallmouth. Well, I should say he only caught one smallmouth, but mostly largemouth. So, he had the mindset of catching smallmouth, caught some largemouth, which gosh, if he would caught more smallmouth, I'd be more impressed, would but been cooler. That's all right, Shane. Good job. And he only won by 5 ounces. So another tight tournament. There were there was kind of some tight derbies over the weekend, but congrats to you. Uh, don't worry, we're in the home stretch. We got two left. Um, these, <clears throat> the last two BFLs here, uh, we didn't actually really get any reports on the PR department. One was able to get a hold of these guys, so uh, we'll just give some shout outs. Music City Division event on Center Hill. Uh, Tim Fi Fee Fi. Won it with 20 pounds, 3 ounces. Um, apparently fished a gravel point in 8 to 10 feet of water using a jig. And won that one. Actually, like, semi-handily. Like, almost 3 pounds. Pretty decent win. And then the final one was a volunteer division event on Norris. And Larry Neal won that. 17 pounds, 11 ounces. Um, fishing a hair jig deep in, like, 20 feet of water. And there you go. Small mouths. Yes, sir. That was the BFL recap. And uh, I'm a little winded now. 
Well, Kyle, congratulations. You done, You did it. Hey, that was the, the first, you know, big meet of BFLs we've had over, or, you know, in 2017. There's more to come. I'll be a little more in shape for the next ones, but, whoo, I'm ready. <clears throat> All righty. Well, uh, Kyle, unless you've got anything else to talk about, I think uh, I think we're done here. Uh, you know, I really, I guess I don't. Um, uh, oh, I did catch a sturgeon, though, finally. There we go. Uh, also bought a chainsaw, chainsawed through like three and a half feet of ice to open the boat ramp so I could get the boat in, and then caught sturgeon. So it was quite the adventure. If you're curious about it, just jump on over to my Instagram page. You can check out a video of us chainsawing. Uh, and there'll probably be some pictures of sturgeons coming at some point. At Kyle Lumber on Instagram. Yes, sir. You're, uh, you're home for all Kyle Wood news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> <laughs> the place to be. Um, yeah, well, that sounds that sounds fun. I always enjoy the pictures because they're very cool-looking fish. It's Oh, man, it's they're, like so, a, they're so prehistoric. Yeah, when they're small, they're really cute, but I've never seen a real big one. But Lake Cumberland has the Kentucky State Record sturgeon. (laughs) I saw that. The FLW Bass Fishing Magazine. Where is... Let's see. I just was flipping through that. Uh, 36 pounds, 8 ounces. Yeah, that's a little one. Yeah, that's a baby. But maybe someone will catch a sturgeon in this derby. Sounds like I need to bring some gear and sturgeon fish while I'm taking pictures. I won't be affecting anyone bass fishing. They'll have what nothing to worry do, about. What you should do is bring some gear and striped bass fish while you're taking pictures because they got hogs in there. Oh. Hey, I I don't fly out until the Tuesday after the event because of when the appropriate flight times are. So, uh, you know, I will be available to, uh, you know, maybe kick around if you want to hang out Monday afternoon after we get the day five shot. We go chase chase some big chase, stuff around. Chase some fishes. Oh, hey, another fun thing about Cumberland. So while I was there, I stayed at the state park, saw like four turkeys. You're going to love it. What? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to just, I'm gonna have to move there. Dude, you're going to want to move there. Um, <laughs> granted, it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but you're going to want to move there. It's great. It's up. It's it's my style. It's your style. You'll like it. Excellent. Um, but, yeah, so that, there we have it. Uh, for sturgeon photos, uh, the place to be is Instagram, at Kyle Lumber. Um, yes, sir. For photos of whatever I'm doing, uh, Instagram, <laughs> at Jody Blanco. Um, let's see. For uh, everything FLW, you want to be at FLWfishing.com. It's the home that for all fishing for fans. sure, for sure the place to be. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a good deal. Um, of course, you can also find FLW on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, at FLW Fishing, on Snapchat, at FLW Official. Um, and I think that's pretty much it, right? I think so. Yeah, I think you covered right. it. Well, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Um, everyone, go uh, go wish Wesley Strader good luck this week in the Classic. He's going to win it. I'm yep. feeling it. Yep. I love Root missing Wesley. Uh, and uh, other than that, Uh, Thanks for tuning in, and uh, Kyle, it's been a pleasure, as usual. Uh, Yes, sir. Enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll chat with you next week. See ya.